Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. We are Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. Literally, prostitutes just come right to your door. Gotta hope that shit's not laced with something. That would be my main concern. I got a call from a guest and they were doing some S&M bondage in the room. Welcome to yet another week of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. And I'm Tim. And if you've ever stayed at a hotel, whether it's a five-star luxury spot or a zero-star hooker joint and wondered what goes on behind the scenes, you're going to enjoy this one. Jacob Tomsky is joining the pod today. He's the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Heads and Beds. He's worked every hotel job imaginable, and he's going to tell us what's really going on behind the white smile of that front desk guy. Yeah, he certainly has seen the 360 picture of everything that happens in the hotel industry. And of all of the people we've ever had on the show, he is more irreverent and awesome in his descriptions of what goes on beyond the scenes than anybody. In fact, he's sort of earned the moniker of the Anthony Bourdain of the hotel industry just because he breaks down what is behind that invisible wall in hotels that the guests never see. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's worked in hotels myself for about four years, I worked in two separate hotels at the front desk. It really is such a unique ecosystem. And you develop this love-hate relationship with guests where you just want to strangle yourself with a phone cord every time it rings. But at the same time, you can't wait to see what crazy character is going to walk through that door next. So, Evan, as somebody who has worked in hotels and who also now travels a lot for work, how does what Jacob says add up to your experience? Can you corroborate all of the nonsense that he's about to break down? Yeah. I mean, Jacob worked in, I think, a lot more high-end hotels than I worked at. He's worked at five-star spots in New York City, whereas I worked at an old historic property in Massachusetts and kind of a a boutique little beach property. So our experiences are very different. But I mean, the common thread, I think, is seeing how much you can get away with. It's an easy job to to push that boundary, whether it's, I mean, like Jacob will talk about giving guests free wine, erasing room charges, using the hot tub yourself after hours, going drinking with guests after hours, pushing that kind of guest employee boundary. I always think of it as when you're growing up, right? When you're in like third grade, you see these teachers, your, your teacher as this adult who is this kind of flawless, uh, infallible individual who teaches you math during the day and then goes home and probably studies math some more and then wakes up early and just does it again. And when you get older and you have friends that are teachers or you become a teacher yourself, you realize that on the weekends and at night, those teachers are not the angels you think they are. They're staying up late till 4 a.m. drinking, doing drugs, partying, going to clubs, doing all kinds of shit that you as a student, when you're 10 years old, just have no idea is going on. You start to wonder like, oh my God, like if, if all teachers are like this or like all like my friends, then my third grade teacher must've been an absolute degenerate. And it's, I kind of feel the same way about hotels. It's like when you check in as a guest, you feel this sense of there's this almost uh, robotic 
flawless person behind the desk that always knows what to say. That's this embodiment of hospitality. And when you talk to someone like Jacob, or when you work in the industry yourself, you realize like, oh my God, like these front desk people, these cleaners, these bellhops, anyone, they get up to some shit and you just never realize it until you get that behind the scenes look. So this is all to say that after this conversation, you're never going to look at your hotel front desk guy the same way. Yeah, I, I sounds about right. I never worked in a hotel, but I worked in a lot of bars and restaurants over the years when I was, you know, in college and after. And uh, it, it, what he says that most resonated with me is is the discussion about how when you are working in one of these places, the staff that's working there, it, it really does become like a small family, and you all kind of see, as you said, what you can get away with, uh, and, and and mingling with the clientele and drinking and eating and and the whole party scene just kind of mixes right in with work and it's like a blurred line between work life and social life well the restaurant industry is a whole nother level i mean those guys are around booze all day and can't partake and it's i mean it's a super stressful job it i think that breeds camaraderie so i mean when you when restaurant workers are off their shifts they're ready to get after it because they've just been in this hyper stressful environments all day they've been around drinks they've been serving drinks they've been watching other people uh drink and party and socialize so i think that industry lends itself to that yeah because you're you're getting off work you're getting off work at like midnight right and then you just find yourself kind of funneling into that nightlife atmosphere that's already there but uh, we're not going to waste any more time we're going to get right into it with jacob we'll see you guys on the other side all right, Jacob. I'm glad you, we finally got you on here because I know you had an ordeal of uh, a last few days, huh? Yeah, it's been a real piece of shit week. Thanks for you know postponing, but uh, yeah, some things got in the way. What happened exactly? I know you're in an Airbnb and there have been some issues with the Airbnb. I had a bed bug infestation, um, so I had to go to a motel uh, just basically like a, just an absolute drugged out hooker motel around the corner while I bombed this place. And, and, uh, it was just disgusting. I had to throw out headboards and I think this whole building is just crawling right now. It's psychologically disturbing. See, I'm skeptical of this story because you knew you were coming on a travel podcast to talk about hotels and crazy hotel stories. And then you just happen to have this bed bug infestation, like the day you're doing the podcast, it just, it's just the timing is just too good. I think, I feel like you, you just needed content to talk about. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to invent this bed bug infestation. Yeah. I self infested. I brought the bed bugs in myself just to test my knowledge. Now I know it literally everything, everything about bed bugs. There you go. Um, so I guess Talk talk quick to start about what jobs you have actually had in hotels throughout the years because you wrote the heads and beds. You're kind of hotel expert. You've had a ton of jobs in um, all different kinds of hotels. But so, like, what exactly have you done? When what fields did you work? Uh, sure, I've been um, I have been in the hospitality business for ten years. Um, I started. I got a degree in philosophy, which is useless. Um, so the only job I could get was parking cars. So I started as a valet. Um, so I parked cars for a while and then I got promoted to the front desk of the hotel. Uh, and then I started getting promoted to the housekeeping department. So I spent a lot of time in housekeeping. Uh, then I was doing a lot of manager on duty shifts. Uh, and then I moved around a little bit and re-entered the field and landed another front desk position and just rode the shit out of that position for like 
six years, like refusing promotions because um, the pay was better at the desk. But, you know, I, I've, I've done, you know, I've helped with Bellman work, Dorman work. Um, you know, I've brought people food. There really isn't a job in the, ho- in the hotel that I haven't done. I've, I've worked in the laundry department. Um, I, I've pretty much done every single job and there's a lot of them. And what's your favorite one? I don't like any of them there. <laughs> I mean, there you go. None. What was it? What was the uh, moment that led you to write the book Heads in Beds? There's, I imagine there had to have been something that brought that on. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Tim, what I mean, I guess I do have an answer. Front desk was my favorite, it turns out, because um, you can make a lot of money. Um, you really you have responsibility, but not an insane amount. Um, and you know, you're really in the middle of things. So every day is interesting. Um, so I was, you know, I'd, I'd been a writer before this, I had a a novel that got very close to getting published. So this whole time that I was working in, in hotels, I was, you know, working on, on other subjects and other books. Um, and then one day I was just standing in the middle of the lobby and I was just, looking around me and I could see a couple arguing about it, you know, the the plane right in. I could see someone pissed off about their room not being ready. I could see, you know, someone's car got busted up and they're trying to figure out how to complain to uh, somebody wants to leave. And I was like, I understand everything that's happening and none of these fucking people get what's going on. This person has no idea where their room's not ready. I know exactly why it's not ready. I know all, you know, I know the valet went through your car, probably he hit it on a wall, didn't say anything. I, I just knew everything that was happening. And I was like, you know, this, this would really, I could really, uh, you know, take my knowledge and um, put it in one book and uh, hopefully help people. I mean, the book is supposed to help, <laughs> help guests understand how to get a better stay and, and, you know, just be happier even when things go to shit, which they always do in hotels. So, um, so it was just that. And then, and then once I started taking notes on that, um, I was like, I'm going to write the shit out of this book. Um, so I started really thinking about what I would want to do. And then it sold really fast um, to a publishing house. I mean, it was a, you know, it was an easy sell. There were, nobody had touched the topic. So that was it. It was, and then I was, I quit my job and started writing the book like that day. Do you find yourself after having kind of worked in hotels that long, especially at front desk, do you find yourself just hating guests? I thought it was interesting because you never know what you're going to get. It's, it could be the biggest fucking asshole, you know, um, it could be a honeymoon couple and you're about to make their, their entire trip, you know, come to life. I've made people cry with happiness and I made people cry uh, with problems. I kind of like that about it that I never knew. And I, ha- and I got good at it. You know, you could scream, I, you can scream all you want at me and inside my head, I can put on a face. I still can do it where it's a face of concern and absolute. I'm just uh, like, I look like I'm devastated about what's happening to you. And I'm really inside my head. I'm like, not giving a shit. So when you're on the road touring uh, with cigarettes after sex and you are staying in hotels, do you put on that same face uh, or, or is it more like you try to not let on that you know what's actually going on in these places? Oh, no, I am the best guest in the world. I tip everybody all the time, everywhere. 
if they tell me my room's not ready till tomorrow and I'm, you couldn't, you, there, there's no way that I would get irate. So if you wake up in the middle of the night covered in bed bugs, you go down to the front desk, you tell them, they're like, sorry, man, it is what it is. You're still an angel. Doesn't matter. You're, you're good with it. You're chill. Yeah, no, I, I, it's bed bugs. Uh, as I, as I've learned, uh, you can't blame them on anyone. They just happen unless they like threw like burning acid in my face or something really fucked up. <laughs> I, I th- even then I'd probably be like, you know, maybe, maybe I deserved it. You know, maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe they were having a bad day. It's cool. I don't think I was ever super bad, but I was in a punk band for a long time when I was younger. And every time we stayed in a hotel, on the road it was like we were constantly fighting getting thrown out or getting a noise complaint and part of the room part of the problem i think wasn't us inherently it was that we would always be showing up at like two or three in the morning and almost always have friends with us and i i know that the the front desk staff just hated us there's been at least 10 times where i've gotten a noise complaint um you know like the room next door is you know playing really loud music send security up and I'd be like, I, immediately, and I hang up the phone and I just don't, I don't send anybody up. <laughs> I'm like, fuck them. Like, some, somebody's having a good time. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop that. Like, so I've ignored noise complaints that I should have taken care of just because, you know, none of that stuff bothered me. Another reason it's a good idea to tip the front desk if you're planning to make a lot of noise. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely going to take care of you. You know, they'll offer to move that guest to another room before they tell you to to turn your your stereo down or whatever what is one a benefit you've given a guest from tipping that's like pretty out of the ordinary i've made people i've upgraded them to where i've had a woman come down and cry because it's the most beautiful view of central park that she's ever had in her life and she couldn't believe it was her room and she was crying um i've uh eliminated all their movie charges all their mini bar charges uh, I've gotten them in on sold out nights um, when there were no rooms available and just picked another guest and just kicked them out. Um, I, I had a I had a personal Rolodex. I, I started getting people off the reservation system because I knew they were coming a lot and they would text me and they would email me and I would give them rates to like, like you, if you're a corporation, you'll have some sort of lower rate. I would just like you work for Deloitte and Touche now, buddy. So your rate is way less than, you know, I've done mm-hmm. just about it. Just clean off their bill. It's just a nice clean bill, upgrades, food, sending up food and wine. I mean, just anything that the hotel can offer, you know, order room service, I'll clear that shit off too. And some of this is coming from a $20 bill. <laughs> like, I, don't I was going to say, how much, how much does it take to get, to get that kind of treatment, to get you to bump another, cancel another guest reservation? Like, what do I, like 20 bucks isn't going to get me that though, right? I don't know, five bucks, you know, because, you know, I'm not going to be held responsible for it. And somebody who's going to be generous, um, those are the kind of people I like to help. And that was one of the things, the instant karma of the hotel that I really liked Yeah. Um, was that, you know, anybody that does, you know, people and people have said, people have said, um, oh, like, I feel like really dirty, like tipping or I'm like, it's such a nice thing to do. So people who do it, I mean, sometimes it's a, it seems a little shady and they try to do it with a handshake, but that's cute for me. But like, you know, it's just such a nice thing to do. I'm like anybody that will offer, like anybody that just is generous 
I'm just like, these are the people in the world that deserve to get taken care of. And everyone else hasn't proven their worth to me yet. So, so what's the other side of that? The, the guests that make kind of these faux pas unintentionally that piss off hotel staff? Um, if the question is like what not to do to a front desk agent, um, it's definitely, you know, yelling about the room not being ready at 10 a.m., you know, just absolutely not understanding that um, hotels are sold out the night before and checkout is until 12. So everyone's in their room. Housekeeping just started an hour ago. It's it's just, you know, physically impossible for there to be a clean room. And, and then the guests just start yelling. I'm like, you just don't understand like logic. Like they're, everybody is in their room showering to get out. Like you don't get logic. So that one used to always piss me off. Um, you know, if you were mean to like, you know, that if I could see you be mean to some of the coworkers or even mean to a cab driver, I'm like, you know, any kind of that shit, I'm, 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 I got my eye on you and I'll make sure, you know, that karma comes back, you know, that night, you know, and I got some pretty interesting ways, untraceable ways to hurt people. Well, you got to go on about that. Oh, well, one of my favorite ones, um, I used to do this a lot uh, in New York. Um, somebody had pissed me off, so I'd write down their name and their room number, and I would go out that night and get drunk or whatever, and then uh, I would go to a payphone, uh, you know, so payphone days, so it was a little earlier, and I would call the hotel uh, at about 2, 3 in the morning uh, and ask for their I'd say I'm, I need to speak to the guest, you know, you know, like Mr. Anderson in room 1411, this guy's phone rings, it's <laughs> 2 a.m. And he's like, hello. And I'm just like, fuck you, asshole. And I just hang up. <laughs> and um, there's no way they have. It's just this random. I think I did that at least 10 times. And it's there's no way they can trace it. I mean, this is this is just getting patched through the system. I mean, that was one of my, that was an easy way. Just wake somebody up, call them a fucking asshole, say everything you wanted to say. And you know, they aren't, they can't go back to sleep after that. Cause they're just like, what just happened? Who is that? Am I in danger? Like, yeah. What a mind blower. I mean, I could have gone deeper with it. Like I'm going to kill you in the morning. Like, you know I mean? Imagine, you, you know, your family will never be safe. Like, holy shit. Are you doing that? Like with an accent, like. <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. You know, so they can't be like, that's the front desk guy. I'm like, I got your fucking wife, man. You're done. You're done. I'm, I'm sitting in your house right now. Like, you know, they don't know they're at a hotel. You know, I've had a, I've had a guest check in with his mistress um, on a Tuesday. Um, she leaves in the morning. Wednesday, the family comes in. It's just every, it doesn't matter what you do in a hotel, which is kind of, and then there's beautiful things, you know, like people, you know, travel to a hotel to live a completely different life that they can in their hometown and um, stuff like that. So the anonymity of, of a hotel um, allows for quite a bit of humanity, both, both, you know, positive and negative. Um, which is another thing I loved about it. So what are some of the craziest things that you've had to deal with at the front desk? Not necessarily mistakes or, um, you know, your favorite guests, but some of the situations that you've come across. Um, I got a call from a guest and they were doing some S&M bondage in the room. 
they thought an added, um, you know, like a little extra, you know, kick to the kink would be putting the key into the into the security box in the hotel, the safety deposit box there, um, the the, the in room safe to the to the handcuffs. And they did that just like now you're really trapped and they forgot the combination. Nice. So you can't get those, you can't get those open. Um, so we had to go up there. The only way to get those open because they're actually secure is to reset it with security and front desk and get the hotel involved. You know, if you forget your combination. Um, so you know, we went in there and they they still tied up. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, chained chained and bound, just and while the security agent just completely reset the lock uh, in the in room safe and gave him the key back, and they were like, "Have a great day." You know. Did you have you ever hooked up with a guest while they were staying there? No, uh, I did meet a girl that I ended up dating for two years uh, because she had her birthday party at the hotel and she was my age she was cute and nice. and she was like oh it's my birthday and so i sent her like champagne and and she came she called back the next day and asked the concierge and fo- who checked me in you can find that out and got my number and called me and then i dated her for two years um which is just weird as hell um but I there I know for a fact, especially if you talk to like New York Bellman, you know, like they'll be like, you know, in in the fucking eighties, all we, we everybody was doing coke, banging guests. That's all we do. You take them up, the guests like you, the coke comes out, you bang them, you're done. He was like, I would bang like at least three guests a week. Uh, one of my one of my friends. So it's it's I think Bellman get Bellman, you know, they're they're free to go up to the room. So there's a little bit more you know, sex going on. Bellman, huh? Yeah. Okay. Front yeah. desk, you know, I would have to fit it in on my break. Yeah. Yeah. But Bellman. Yeah. Especially when you talk about the eighties, New York, those Bellman were raging, just, just doing lines and banging guests. So Bellman, fuck who knew applications for being a Bellman are going to go through the roof. Once word gets out on this, uh, are there any other times though, that I mean, have you personally kind of blurred that line of professionalism when it comes to guests? Most of my indiscretions were um, just essentially robbing from the hotel. Like, I mean, just because someone gave me 20 bucks doesn't mean that I should remove $150 worth of room service charges. <laughs> it's a pretty shitty move. Um, you know, that's even worse than I think asking a guest if they're free this evening. That seems like almost less harmless than actually. Um, you know, basically robbing the hotel. But people want to stay somewhere where they feel like they are at home and they have a personal relationship with the front desk person and they get treated special. So in a way, you're kind of helping the hotel because you're you're increasing the odds that those people are going to rebook. All I'm saying, I guess, is you could have done a lot worse. You could have like, after your shift, hired a prostitute, taken her up to one of the, the rooms you knew were empty. There's always room for much, much more shadiness. I was, yeah, I was solicited by a, a prostitute um, two days ago, and the only way I knew, I think it's it's a it's a, a mix of uh, understanding of how the world works and hotel business. But I checked in and I put the do not disturb sign on, 
And about 10 minutes later, uh, I opened the door and there was a woman standing there smoking a cigarette, no mask, just blowing smoke at me, staring at me for three or four drags, just looking at me and I'm looking at her. And then she's like, I guess that's the wrong room. And I was like, yep. And I closed the door and I was like, that was a prostitute. <laughs> like that was, that was, that was, that was the offer. So it was an accidental solicitation. No, I think like, well, this is, this is what, this is what I learned. I mean, cause it, so that happened and I was like, wow, I've never like, holy shit. Like, cause I put the do not disturb out. So they know somebody's in there. Interesting. So it's like there's a this. You go to this place. You pay ninety nine. You pay you pay one hundred thirteen dollars. Or if you pay in cash, it's a hundred dollars. It's like holy shit, what a great deal, unbelievable. But it's like off the book. It's just just a real real seedy establishment in Hollywood where I am now, and um, and uh, so that and then the second night, um, I left my do not disturb on the front. And I kept getting like, like just these double knocks, like knock, 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 like all through the night. And they didn't have like, like I couldn't look out and see who it was. There was no chain. So either it was going to be like a kick in robbery um, or more solicitation. So the third night that I stayed there, I did not put my do not disturb sign out because that was the only way to not get disturbed was to have them think the room is vacant which which was new on on me so what's uh can we can we shout out the name of this hotel oh it's just like a it's, i think it's called like hollywood inn hollywood inn it's cheap you get great service literally prostitutes just come right to your door so you don't even have to call yeah. hollywood inn hollywood inn highly recommended by author of heads and bets I'll tell you what, it didn't have bed bugs. No bed bugs. Didn't have any place to hang your goddamn towel, which I thought was weird, or a chain on the door, which I thought would be necessary. Um, but yeah, and drop paying cash, save $13. You know it's going to be quality when they have no bed bugs about, just below their vacancy sign. <laughs> yeah, just like it would be lit sometimes. I'm like, sometimes it's lit, sometimes it's not. It's like those bed, bed bug free for how many days? It's like always back to zero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad because leaving this fucked up R&B or shit, Airbnb. Um, I felt bad because I'm like, I did, I washed all my clothes, but I like, you know, I don't care what, I don't care what kind of motel, hotel, I don't care what kind of shit you're running. I'm not trying to mess with your business. I'm not trying to, um, you know, that's why I didn't tell you the name of the place. I don't really want to, I don't, I, I want them to keep running their business. And, um, you know, I didn't want to give them bed books. Like I was really concerned about that. I only, I, bur I like burned the hell out of my clothes in the dryer and walked right over there um, with nothing but like a toothbrush and toothpaste. Um, so I, I was actually really concerned. I didn't, uh, the last thing I would want to do is give any establishment, um, is bring those with me. So it was, um, you know, I, I respect it. I respect the game, you know, from five star to zero star. So apart from the bed bugs, what has been your Airbnb experience? Cause I know you've stayed or are currently staying, um, in an Airbnb long term, which I haven't done. So what's that like? I know it's a little sketchy, obviously, um, and you've this isn't your first time doing it either. I've stayed in two different Airbnbs, and they're both illegal. Um, the first one I got caught at. I didn't get caught. He should have told me it was illegal, but I went into the lobby, 
and the security asked me what I was doing there. And I said, my Airbnb. And all of this was going down through the system. I was texting through the Airbnb app. Uh, and the security was like, no Airbnbs are supposed to be in here. You tell me who's doing this. And then I get like a text. It's like, come around the corner. And I literally heard somebody go like, and I was like, what in the fuck? And he was like, you didn't tell that guy you were in an Airbnb. I was like, yeah, I did. And he was like, okay, just don't go through that exit anymore. You got to take this back exit. We can't get caught. I'm like, let me, tell me what to do. I'll come in the back entrance. Like, what the fuck? Like, why would you sit me in the lobby answering questions from security? So I had to get out of there because that one was all fucked up. And then this one uh, that I moved to also completely illegal. Um, and then I took it off Airbnb because I extended my stay and I went to cash. So we just left Airbnb out of it. And then beyond that, they're having like severe cleaning issues, which leads to this bed bug thing. Yeah. Well, starting on bed bugs and ending on bed bugs sounds good to me. I guess we can move on to our next segment, which is listener questions. We have listeners send in kind of travel related questions and have our, uh, our guest weigh in and the one we usually have try to make it as on, on topic as possible. So this one's about hotels. Um, yeah, today's question is from Will from Phoenix, Arizona. He says, I was staying at a days in in Omaha last year. I walked into my hotel room upon check-in and found a porn magazine in a rolled joint in the top drawer of my dresser, <laughs> unprofessional or Good customer service. Gotta hope that shit's not laced with something. That would be my main concern. I mean, it's already ready to go. It sounds like it's 1992 with the porn mag, but you know. I mean, that, yeah, right. Like old school, still pictures and things. But that that yeah. was um that was that was uh it it was it was in the drawer, right? It was in the drawer, like in the top the top drawer of the dresser. It says. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's that's a leave behind. I, I wouldn't. I mean, you're gonna blame you got to blame the housekeeper, you know, for that. But I think Will got to just you know, depending on what you're into, um, that's just a little bonus. I'm sure the last guest was like, at some point was like, shit, mm-hmm. like where's my joint and my porn mag? Fuck, I left it at the hotel. That's not something. Yeah, you- if, that, if that was like a if that was like a mini bar service, you have to pay like seventy bucks for that stuff. I'm wondering when that's going to happen, and you know, states where marijuana is legal. I mean, it's only a matter of time before you got gummies and weed and shit. I'm sure they're probably doing it in these, you know, the standard or something. It's like just joints in the mini bar or whatever. I, I mean, it's getting close to that, but um, yeah, you know, it's. I mean, a housekeeper mm-hmm. should have found that. But what's the strangest leave behind that you've encountered? I mean, I'm just going to, off the top of my head, I'm going to have to go with uh, use tampon. Location, floor, bed. Just on the bed. Just like, like why? Um, <laughs> like uh, one time that I, f- I found this ring and it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the fucking company because I would shit on them publicly. D- David, I wish it would come to me. But it was, uh, it was this really nice looking ring and I, and it had a symbol and it was this, it was this jewelry company that, that was worth a lot of, like they sell high end jewelry and you turn it into lost and found. And then if nobody claims it in like three months, you get it. So I'd forgotten about this shit. And then I get called in security and they're like, your lost and found ring is here. And I was like, Oh, and I, and I went to the jewelry shop with it 
with where where it came from, like the the designer and the security looked at it for one second and was like, "That's a fake ring." <laughs> I was like, "Oh man!" And and I, I honestly treated me like shit. I just he was like, "Don't come in." I was like, "Well, can I come in the store and look?" And he was like, "No, no, 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 no." But that's a fake ring. I was like, "Well, you don't know. Maybe I want to buy a real ring." I, Fuck, I, I would trash these people. I wish I could remember that David something, David something. And um, then later, so what I did, once I found out it was fake, um, I would just wear it at the desk. Do you just wear it anyway? Just because it looked crazy. And I would just like, I would put on my tie, I put on my name tag, and I put on my crazy ring. And that looks like it's worth like, you know, $15,000, but it's, you know, it's a fake. And I had guests compliment me on it. You could probably... Make up a whole a t- like whole outfit uniform made up of leave behind clothing from other guests. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, God, that I'm happy to be. You know, uh, obviously the listeners can't hear this, but I have a beard now, and one of the reasons I have a beard is because I worked in the hotel business, and, and you, you weren't allowed to have a clean. You weren't allowed to have a beard back then. Um, I think now it's considered like hip. It makes your hotel look cooler, but at some places, like five star places, so I was made to shave. So Jesus. you couldn't, like, you know, I could flex a little bit with the with that ring, but I was made to shave. I had a I had a manager who was a uh, who was came from a long line of corrections officers, and he used to take a piece of tissue and wipe it against my face, and if it caught any, then I'd have to go downstairs and shave with a hotel razor, which would just slice me up, and just I, I'm like, you'd rather my face be bloody. The minute I quit that job, I just immediately grew a beard. I was like 30 years old or something. It was the first time I'd even been able to try. I was like, let me try. I have control of my face. Yeah, that's 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 pro. That's professional hotel work right there. I was in I was in the bush leagues. We would show up in our pajamas. This is like beach bum hotel. It was it was an expensive hotel, but it was like a beach vibe. It was like chill. But it was this is that that's that's the majors, man. Yeah, I was on the I was on the five star end of that where you couldn't even have stubble, I, and I'd be working like double shifts or triple shifts. So they'd be like, "You didn't shave." You would grow stubble while you were working on your shift. You would be you'd be growing stubble on. The yeah, way. yeah. I was like, yeah, like, yeah, that's the one time I got really <laughs> mad. I was like, I people have been calling out. I've been working for twenty hours. I grew this while I was here. You're gonna make me shave it. I'm like, I look better like this than with like blood coming down my neck. Blood dripping down his face. You're going to get a lot less questions about the look of the front desk having a five o'clock shadow than, you know, like cuts all over his face. I was like, I think I look good. All right. Well, uh, Tim, unless you have any other questions, I think that's, uh, that might be it for us. I think we're good. I think it's about beer 30 here. Yeah. There was a little vodka in my glass that I've been sipping on. All right. Well, you're ahead of me. So I started a little bit ahead of you guys, but... Uh, cool, man. Well, great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for uh, phoning in from your illegal Airbnb. Yeah, don't tell anyone, huh? Or tell everyone because it's got bed bugs. You don't, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be in my life. The bed is now in the front room. No, forget the Airbnb. Hollywood, Hollywood Inn. <laughs> 113 bucks a night, paying cash. Great customer service. Paying cash, it's a hundred. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, it was a, it was a pleasure talking to you guys too. Thanks so much for uh, for moving around for me and uh, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No worries, man. Take it easy. Have a good rest of the night. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Okay, it's time for hot takes. Coming off the hotel theme, Tim, 
you used to play in a band, Odie Paste, big time band, huge. I'm sure you've uh, trashed some hotels in your day. Give us your best hotel story that um, uh, might not make your wife proud. Yeah, I mean, our we had some some nights, but I would say the best one was in Pueblo, Colorado. Um, coming off a great show at an old venue called Phil's Radiator, for anybody that's hung out in Pueblo. Um, back at the hotel, probably like 3 a.m., we... You know, it was the four of us and our our singer's wife hanging out, keeping the party going. We went the hotel we were in. It was like a it was like a Holiday Inn or something, but it was nice enough that it had a bar. So we left the club at like twelve and hung out at the hotel bar till they closed. And then we're back at the room hanging out, watching Archer and our drummer puked in the mini fridge. I don't know why he picked the mini fridge. He was hammered and he passed out. And then he wakes up like forty five minutes later runs to the mini fridge and pukes in it and then goes back to bed and the trombone player brandon had to clean it up wow well that's what happens when you're a trombone player though huh yeah yeah you got the old the old uh dirty trombone that night when you're a trombone player you're even lower on the totem pole than the bass guy apparently apparently when it comes to cleaning vomit out of mini fridges yes but you were an instigator i feel like you're responsible relatively I try to be. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I'm guilty of being loud, but I'm certainly not the guy like uh, Jacob was saying that's throwing a beer ball at the wa- the beer bottle at the wall. I've seen you do that like th- at least three times during this interview, Tim. So I mean, yeah, no, it's that's uh, that's how I handle myself professionally, just not at hotels. Guy just gets so fired up and just can't contain. You listeners can't see this, but it's it's quite a show. It's quite a show. Just love throwing stuff. <laughs> All right. Do you feel that you laugh more as part of an audience when you're watching a movie or when you're by yourself? So I think it is when you're with people and you know that there's like a a part that's supposed to be funny, you inherently laugh, even if you don't think it's that funny. But on the other side of that, I would say that when something is absolutely hilarious you probably laugh harder and more uncontrollably when you're by yourself because you're not self-conscious about it. I've found that I will laugh at movies that aren't funny at all when I'm watching them with other people or if I'm on a, even if I'm on a plane or in a movie theater, it doesn't matter if I'm friends with these people or total strangers, I'll find myself laughing at movies that are just are straight up not funny. And I feel like it's the crowd uh, effect. It totally is. It's the same thing where if you've seen a movie so many times that the punchlines are no longer coming as any kind of a surprise to you at all. But when you're with people, you still laugh because you want them to see the humor in that. And you feel like it's weird if you don't laugh. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like everyone doesn't want to be like the uptight person who isn't laughing at a joke that the other people might find funny. So everyone kind of hedges their bets and just laughs. Yeah, exactly. and it's, it's funny. Because I always notice this now, and now I can't stop noticing it when I'm like watching movies or TV with people and everyone's laughing at something that's just not funny. And I always think like, these people wouldn't be laughing if they were by themselves. I guarantee it. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. Yep. I do have a third question. It is, pitch me on one country or city that I definitely should not visit and why. Yeah, yeah. So you should never go to Dallas, Texas in August. Because Dallas is a massive, sprawling metropolitan area that puts the vast majority of U.S. metro areas to shame in terms of of pure suburban sprawl. And it's hot as hell in the summer. The humidity is terrible. 
Uh, and, and, and it's almost to the point where if you're hanging out outside, I was there for a music festival and it was so miserable that I couldn't even drink at the festival. No, no, uh, pun intended Tim, but that is a hot take. It is. And you know, I mean, I like deep Ellum. It's a great part of town. Dallas has its, its charms, but going there for your first time, pulling in, in a traffic jam in the heat of August, I haven't been back. No, it's it's not humid though, or it's it is humid, isn't it? Uh, more so than Colorado, because Colorado has zero humidity. Well, tell me what you think of this as a Colorado guy, because I feel like in Colorado, people use the word "dry heat" to make you feel shitty about ever complaining about the heat. They just say, "No, it's it's fine. You, you can't be uncomfortable. It's dry heat. It's not humid. It's dry. Like it's this this thing that it's as long as it's dry, it could be three thousand degrees, and it's fine because it's not humid." And I just don't buy it. I just straight up don't buy it. But everyone here is like, it's it, oh, it's oh, it's a hundred degrees for the entire month of July. Doesn't matter. It's dry heat. It's fine. Like I would prefer personally, like in New England, it gets like eighty and humid. I would prefer that over ninety five, a hundred and dry heat. There's two reasons for that. The first one is that people in Colorado don't know how to handle humidity. So to them, any any form of dry heat to them is just what they're used to. Second of all, people from Colorado get super butthurt when you bash Colorado. So they will come up with any line of defense to convince you that it's awesome. Okay, I like that answer. We'll end it there. All right, you're on the hot seat. Uh, Again, going with the hotel theme and as a hotel guy, what was your worst ever hotel experience? So I'm not sure if this qualifies as worst, but this is a little sketchy. Uh, Me and my friend went to Iceland and we landed at like, midnight but we wanted to drive get a little we were going to drive the whole ring road and we wanted to get a little bit of driving done the first the first day so our airbnb was about two hours north of the airport so we we drive two hours north it's summer so we can still see it's still the midnight sun and the only directions to the airbnb were second valley third farm on the left that was it it was like reading directions that have been written by a country farmer in the 1300s so we get to what we think is the Airbnb. But we really have no idea. It's so dark. The door, we, we knock and no, very softly and no one opens it. But we check and the door, the door opens. And we see what looks like guest rooms. And we see, a, you know, I think this is room three, which allegedly was supposed to be our room. But again, there's no one in there. It's just someone's house. It really was just like a house. And... So we go and put our stuff down, kind of tentatively like looking around this dark house, wondering if it's where we're supposed to be. We look outside and there's a hot tub. And we're like, you know what? Like, we're wide awake. We got adrenaline. We just got here. Can't pass up this midnight sun hot tub experience. So we go, we go in the hot tub at like 2.30 in this random Airbnb. And we don't even know if it's our Airbnb. I have no idea. We uh, So we use the Airbnb or we use the uh, hot tub and then we, you know, there's like bunk beds in this room. So we, we go to sleep and then we wake up in the morning. We kind of peer around the corner. There's no one, there's still no activity, no movement, no nothing. So we're still wondering if this is the right place, but at this point we're ready to go. It's ready to continue on our drive. So we pack up and we, we leave. And then we get an email from Airbnb like four days later. And it was the, the, the host emailing me on the Airbnb platform saying, did you guys ever show up? We never, your room, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have any record of you guys staying with us. We didn't um, see you guys come through. We left the door open for you. We left you a note. 
but we didn't see any of that. So we are under the assumption now that we broke into a house and stayed in their bed and probably another Airbnb, honestly, but stayed in this, this bed, used their hot tub and then just left. And it was not the right Airbnb at all. So, okay. On the other side, what are your three favorite hotels? So number one has to be blue, the Inn on the beach, shout out Plum Island, Massachusetts. That's where I worked for a few years. Um, a few summers where I was talking about with Jacob, 16 room boutique hotel, um, crazy, crazy characters would come through there every year. The staff, all young, all really awesome. I'm like best friends still with all of them. It was basically Neverland. Like if you didn't want to ever grow up, work at Blue because that place just, I mean, drinking with guests, going in the hot tubs after hours, uh, having parties there when there's the rooms weren't booked. It was just the whole thing was nuts. And it's probably for the best for my own personal development that I got out of there when I did. But uh, yeah, still a great time. So blue number one. I think the hotel, uh, hotel Bidikara in Indonesia, in Jakarta, that was an awful city. But this is the ho- first hotel where I experienced an Asian breakfast, as I've we've talked about in a podcast past. And came downstairs. I was like, okay, kind of free breakfast. That's nice. Like, I wonder, um, probably like some eggs, some toast, like whatever. Literally, shrimp, chicken, pizza, pasta, every food you could possibly imagine. I love hotel breakfast in Asia. It's the best thing ever. I never experienced hotel breakfast in Asia, and I was like, this hotel itself is like okay. The breakfast just had to have to put it on the map for me for sure. The third one, I think, has to be the Garrison Inn in Newburyport, a beautiful historic hotel in my hometown. Um, I've never actually stayed there, but I used to live around the corner, and the front desk lady would let me hang out in the lobby at night with my laptop so I could actually like get some work done, and she was awesome. She would just share her takeout with me all the time, like shit on guests with me like right after they checked in. So I guess the Garrison Inn is the official hotel of no blackout dates. If you ever go to Newburyport, hit up the Garrison Inn. When you book, use discount code, no blackout dates, and they'll give you a, I'm just kidding. There's no discount code. Uh, If you try, they'll look at you like you're nuts. But anyway, before I get any more front desk people in trouble, we're going to call it here. That's it for this episode of no blackout dates. Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure to subscribe, leave us five stars, and write us about your craziest hotel experience. If you want to submit a travel-related question that we can pose to our guests and get their inputs, send it to noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com. That's it for us. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. We'll catch you guys later.